Hello, everybody. This is the Friendly Bear Podcast, where we interview some of the best and brightest traders in the trading community. Listen to inspiring stories and nuggets of insight from current and future game changers in the trading space. Listen and learn as we explore all types of trading niches with some of the best in the industry from a Friendly Bear point of view. Make sure to check out the Friendly Bear Podcast new YouTube channel called Friendly Bear Research, which includes all the podcast video content and supplemental screen shares. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. With that being said, I'm your host, David, a.k.a. Reverse Long, and this is the Friendly Bear Podcast. Let's dive in. What's up, everyone? This is David with the Friendly Bear Podcast, and today I have Corey Ashton Walter. He is the CEO of Here, and Here is uh, is, is a new way to it, it turns vacation rentals into stocks that you can trade, basically. And Corey's going to give us a background. I got in contact with Here through the um, through Corey's people, which also uh, referred me in the past to the Rally app, which does something similar, which turns like sports memorabilia into stocks that you can trade basically the fractional shares and uh yeah i've always been interested in this kind of stuff as an alternative for investing and you know it's, it's like the new the new way to to go about investing in these things so yeah um so yeah here we are with Corey. so uh Corey, how are you doing hey thanks for having me on david uh doing pretty good doing pretty good yeah it's funny you mentioned rally i think rally was a big inspiration for us early on um we're actually structured pretty much identically to them from a regulatory framework. We both use the Reg A plus, which is this like really cool SEC filing framework that allows us to um, really fractionalize ownership of anything of value. Could be a collectible like on Rally Road, like, you know, a, um, you know, a, a trading card or, you know, a collectible car or something like that. Um, and in our case, it's real estate by way of short-term vacation rentals. Um, but uh yeah, it's funny you brought up Rally. We're we've uh, we've kept our eye on them for a long time. They've been a great source of inspiration on the on the product side, but also on the just bringing you know fractional ownership in any asset class to market. They've been a great kind of pioneer in the space. Absolutely, you know, and uh, I just got a lot of questions about it because, like in the past, I didn't yeah. even consider uh, ownership in vacation rentals, or you know what I mean. And now, like this way to go about it is pretty exciting. So, like. Especially yeah. like from my experience with Rally, because I have Rally, I'm a, I invest a little in Rally. I, I love that. Same. Yeah, so, same here. So like if, you know, and here's the vacation rentals of, of doing that, that way of doing things. It's, it's, it seems pretty cool. So yeah, yeah. you want to maybe give like a background on here and, and see how it came about? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, before here, um, so here wasn't my first startup. Before here, I started a company called Homeworthy. Um, uh, we were headquartered in the Pacific Northwest outside of Portland, Oregon, um, you know, grew uh, to a couple hundred cities in our service market over the course of about a year and a half. And um, 2020 hit, specifically March 2020. And unfortunately, it, uh, it, it took uh, COVID kind of took Homeworthy with it in regards to, you know, that, uh, that, that the scary times. And, um, uh, you know, in the, the ashes of Homeworthy, um, I was going through a bit of depression. I couldn't figure out what to work on next. 
Um, and I kind of stumbled onto the early business model for here, or really just like the, 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 the early indications of, of, of what could be. Um, I was doing a bunch of research and around this time, I think it was September of 2020, Airbnb was getting ready to go public. There's this great metric from um, a, a researcher uh, named Grandview Research and about, and they were basically dissecting the Airbnb S1. And about halfway through this report, there's a metric that said by 2025, 75% of all travel and leisure spend in North America is going to be made by millennials or younger. Um, and that sent me down a big rabbit hole looking for answers. It basically meant like over the next half decade, majority of money spent on hotels, flights, et cetera, are going to be driven uh, uh, by millennial demand. And if you look at Airbnb data, um, actually around 60% of historical guests on Airbnb are actually millennials. So the majority of the spend is going towards that demographic. And then the majority of that spend that's taking place is happening on Airbnb in a way. Um, so I thought there's a, pr- there's a pretty big wave here yeah. that's coming. And um, you know what can be built? in this space um, that, that, that could be interesting. And, um, you know, I popped out the other side of this rabbit hole with an interesting thesis, you know, which was essentially, there's gonna be a pretty big supply demand imbalance of the demand for alternative accommodations, you know, not hotels, um, you know, uh, cabins, yurts, cool places to stay, bungalows, et cetera, when people travel and um, the current supply that exists, which is highly fragmented. So, you know, I don't know the last time you stayed in a short-term vacation rental or an Airbnb, but it's kind of a coin toss of what you walk into, you know, yeah. like, am I going to be able to get in? Or am I going to be able to find the place? Um, yeah. Is the, is the air conditioning going to work? Are there going to be, you know, a dirty linens uh, on the bed is, is, are the plates going to be dirty in a sink, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so I thought, okay, it's a highly fragmented industry. And the reason why it's highly fragmented is, is, is everybody has a friend that owns an Airbnb or runs an Airbnb, you know, whether it be passively or actively. And um, that's pretty true across the United States. So, you know, most, most Airbnb hosts only own one unit or only operate one unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought, okay, maybe there's an opportunity here to consolidate, you know, at a large scale, you know, uh, amass essentially a portfolio of a lot of short-term vacation rentals, um, and make it easy, not only for people to stay in these vacation rentals and almost build like a predictable product, like you'd see in a hotel, but also, uh, from an ownership standpoint, um, you know, take advantage of this, this growing, this growing industry and, 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 um, the opportunities that may present themselves over the next decade. Um, so the original idea for, for here was essentially like, well, let's, let's find the coolest vacation rentals on, on planet earth and, um, let's acquire them. Let's stabilize them and then let's sell them to one an investor. Um, and it really wasn't until I discovered Rally Road and um, you know Masterworks and some of the other Otis is another example, other fractional platforms that I realized the real answer here and really the 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 real the real um, the magic to to this industry would actually be fractionalization. And um, and it sent us down about a year long path with the SEC working with the SEC to get approved to securitize and fractionalize short-term vacation rentals so that anybody can invest in them, not just, you know, an individual institutional investor or a high yeah. net worth individual, but really anybody, um, you know, and, and, and uh, I guess that's the the mission we've been obsessed with over the last year or so. Wow. That's pretty cool. Okay. So, yeah. so you guys acquire the coolest ones and then you fractionalize them for people to invest in it. And uh, I, is it like, trading them so you're able to trade them as well 
Street, yeah, so, the fraction on shares. So the idea is we basically identify a property, let's say one, two, three, Apple Street and Joshua Street, California, for example. Um, we fractionalize ownership um, and, and by way of almost like an IPO. So the way that these Reg A plus offerings work is you basically are creating an initial public offering, which then you're only doing one thing, which is bringing one property as an IPO to market, essentially. Very similar like what you see on like Rally Road, the collectible car or, or something of that nature. Um, and then the investors um, receive their shares let's say you own 1% or you know a couple thousand shares of, of 123 Apple Street, you're then entitled to um, those benefits that come with being an owner of that property. So passive income, so any, any income the property generates you know, after expenses are paid, any appreciation the property has during the holding time horizon, um, any tax benefits, things of that nature. Um, and then you know, we are on our, on our roadmap looking at a way to um, you know, create in the future some type of, of trading environment so that you're able to trade these freely just like you would like a stock. So right now they're as easy to purchase as, as they are to purchase a stock. But our goal, you know, and, and our big goal on our roadmap is to create um, you know, a, a secondary trading environment to where that you could you could trade in and out of these assets the same way that you trade a stock. Yeah, just like Rally Road, I know when I for uh, just a couple of years ago it was like that. It was pretty uh it's easy to get in. And then now yeah. there's more liquidity now because now the word is getting around and that you can actually trade now. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we're thinking of along the same lines. Yeah. So um, now also I have another app called Fundrise. I don't know if you know about oh, that. Oh, yeah. 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 Like Fundrise. So is it kind of like that too? It's like a mashup between like Rally and, and Fundrise. And I don't know. It just comes to my mind because like, so you, with Rally, you invest in, a, in, the, in the assets, mm-hmm. but then they... Can sell it in the future based on the votes, uh, sure. something like that. And then, like you, you know, you get the funds from that, and you can it goes through your account. And you can sure. do it again. Is that like similar uh, with here? So, so to first attack on Fundrise um, or the question on Fundrise, the the key differences between here and a Fundrise. Um, let's talk about here first. So, so the the entity structure with here. Um, is very similar. It's a simple LLC structure from an ownership standpoint. So it's it's structured identically to where if like you and I this weekend, we you know partnered up 50 50%, uh, 50% and 50% on you know a uh, a home in Los Angeles. You own 50, I own 50%, and we'd be entitled to those benefits that we talked about, you know, uh, operating income, appreciation, et cetera. Um, so it's it's a very transparent way of property ownership. The difference is it's fully passive. Now, if you look at Fundrise, is a great example. In many cases, it's like a REIT or a fund type product. I see. Where you're not really a direct owner. You're kind of in this like um, hard to explain. Uh, like like could be through a fund vehicle or a debt vehicle or something somehow that you're attached to the property, but you're not actually a true percentage based owner. You know what I mean? Like you can't claim. I own 5% of this property. You probably own maybe 5% of some, some equity position in a fund that owns a percentage of, you know what I mean? Whatever that may be. So it's much more transparent and clear in regards to chain of custody of who owns that property. Um, so those are the big differences um, uh, there um, in regards to when we decide to sell the property, similar to Rally Road, where they, they have a voting structure. Um, we plan on holding them anywhere from five to 10 years. So the goal is, you know, five to 10 years, vacation rentals really hit their stride north of two or three years. So with collectibles, it's very, um, not volatile, but um, the markets are very, very interesting. Like you could, you could buy a, um, a trading card that's worth, 
you know, $500,000 today and in a month, it'll be worth a million. Just for some reason, something happens in those markets and it goes up and things happen and people vote and they sell. With short-term vacation rentals, Jerry, it's, it's largely tied to what's going on in the real estate market on both the appreciation standpoint, which do take time, but also on the cash flow standpoint, you know, um, a lot of the reasons why people invest on here is, is, is passive income. So it's, you know, it's one of the highest yielding asset classes, if not the highest yielding asset classes in real estate. Um, so you, you're the, the real incentive, or I'd say the biggest incentive is that passive income of being able to get those dividends, you know, every quarter yeah. in, in your bank account. Um, so it's an interesting kind of mix, or I should say deviation between like the rally road or the masterworks, the Otis model, where like you're chasing that like quick appreciation versus with vacation rentals, you know, um, they really do well in the second year and the third year of ownership, because, you know, I don't know the last time you've ever stayed in a vacation rental where if they have zero stars, you stay there. It usually wait. You're like, oh, this yeah. place has five, five stars or 10, yeah. five stars, whatever the case may be. So you really start to see them hit their stride after the second year of ownership uh, because they have re- you know returning guests. They've got strong reviews. They've got you know strong demand, historical demand, things like that. Um, but that's how we think about ownership and specifically selling um, selling one of these properties. So you guys, okay, acquire the property. Do you guys manage to rent them out yourselves like, like Airbnb does, like you have a whole management team for that and a whole way of going about that. I was like the here vacation rentals. Like if I wanted to, I can stay in a, in a here, like I, you know, I, I like an Airbnb. Sure. Great question. So we act as the asset manager. And what that means is we partner directly with third-party local property managers in every market that we operate in. Um, and they handle guest interactions, cleaning coordination, things of that nature. So currently we don't have a branded checking experience. Um, but we work with the Vicasas, the Evolves, the Avant Stays of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, that's how we tackle, um, uh, not only scale, but, you know, high quality service at the early stage, which we're still a pretty early stage, early stage startup. So it's a great way for us to introduce, um, consistency in the product at the, at this stage. Gotcha. Okay. And like, who is, who is this for as far as investing? Like, for example, Rally, uh, Mm-hmm. Anybody can get in, in there and invest, you know, yeah. uh, you know, if, and also it's more, it's not only for, you can make money off rally. You could have it as a legit yeah. investment, but you can also just buy it for n- nostalgia, you know, uh, you know what I mean? Buy a couple yes, shares 100%. of a, of a Mickey Mantle card because, you know, it's just yeah. nostalgia and you don't really know if that's, you know, it's only 10 bucks that you're putting down. So you don't really yeah looking at the 100%. percentage gains and all that. Now with the vacation rentals, if it's a super cool one, um, is it kind of like that too, or is it like, are people looking like to do this, like ser- more serious and than a just nostalgia kind of, kind of deal? Yeah. I think there's three groups of people that, um, here appeals to, uh, the first is the average retail investor, just regular investor. I invest in stocks. I've got a Robinhood trading app. Maybe I've got a Wealthfront account, Betterment, something of that nature. And I've always wanted to become a real estate investor. And I don't have the means to become one. Could be time, could be a down payment, could be a credit score, could be a multitude of reasons. And here, it's like our minimum investment currently is around $100 to invest in a property. It's like you, you can, if you have $100, you can call yourself a real estate investor, a real real estate investor, that's, just yeah. like how we were explaining. So we think that really appeals to the average person that's always wanted to be like aspirational. Somebody's always wanted to become a real estate investor. However, you know, for some reason or another, they haven't been able to 
um, you know, get the, get the ball running. So a great way to tiptoe into real estate investing. The other is really a diversification for existing real estate investors. You know, um, you know, the average vacation rental that we're looking to acquire is around um, eight hundred thousand dollars. And let's say you had eight hundred thousand dollars, David, and you wanted to buy a property. Um, generally, you're going to need to put twenty thousand or twenty percent down. Uh, on a on an investment property, so you would need on a you know eight hundred thousand dollar property, you need one hundred sixty thousand in cash down, and then you're going to need to furnish it, which is you know thirty, forty, fifty grand, whatever that may be. So just to get in the door on a property is around two hundred grand. If you wanted to do it yourself, let's say you had the means though, let's say two hundred grand was no problem for you. Um, you're putting a lot of risk into one asset, and let's say that property doesn't perform. Let's say you picked the wrong market. Let's say something happened, and it's just you picked the wrong deal. You've got a lot of capital tied up in that one deal. With here. You can essentially take that $200,000 that you need to put down to buy that one property in Joshua Tree, that's $800,000, for example. And you could diversify that across you know, um, 200 $1,000 bets across 200 different properties that are in totally different markets so that you're fully diversified across not only the asset class of vacation rentals, but multiple markets in that asset class. Could be Joshua Tree, could be the Poconos, could be down here in Florida, you know, along the coast, Panama City Beach, whatever, wherever that may be. Um, so we think that is another really interesting appeal for, for people that actually are real estate investors or are more qualified investors that are looking for deeper diversification. And the third is actually what you're talking about, which is nostalgia. Um, you know, we do a lot of, of, of member interviews, um, and it's something I did very early on with every single person that signed up, I try to talk to and, and get on the phone with them and, and learn about who they were as an investor and what was important to them. You'd be, you would you'd be surprised how many people said, I don't, this appealed to me because I always traveled to Gatlinburg, Tennessee with my family when I was growing up. And I'd love to own a vacation rental there. I'd love to own a cabin there, even if it's a part of one, because I've traveled there when I was young. So we do think there's a, a, a collectability and almost nostalgia to it. We yeah. call it, we, we do a lot of like products, um, you know, thesis things in, internally. And we talk about like these, we, we talk about cards and like card collecting. And the way we see it is like, you're building this like portfolio, but you're also like sharing it with your friends and be like, oh yeah, like I own 1% of this like cabin in the Smoky Mountains, or I own 1% of like this, um, this yurt and, and Joshua Tree. So there's almost this like nostalgia and braggability of sharing with your friends and family that you're an investor in a property. Um, and it's and it's real ownership. It's like you can show them that I really own one percent of this property, five percent of this property, whatever that may be. Which before yeah, it was pretty cool. entirely possible, impossible to do it fully passively like this. You know, um, this whole new way of doing stuff. I wish it existed. Like when I was in my twenties, you know, or, you or like, you know what I mean. Um, when yeah. I was like in grad school, let's say two thousand thirteen. And Airbnb just came on the scene, uh, 2015, yeah. Uber started coming. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, damn, why didn't this exist before? You I know, know uh, it made things a lot easier. And like, look at it now, you know, we, we depend on these things. Yeah. So like, this is, I mean, I see this kind of like rally, fundrise, masterworks, like mm -hmm. masterworks. Um, some of my goals to get that started this year, an account with them. I, I, I love art. You know, yeah, like same, you can see, I have a, yeah, an I can art, see in your back. You know, my brother has art just like that in his house as well. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. You know, and, and like, um, a lot of people can't afford, you know, a Van Gogh or a yeah. Basquiat or, or, you know, or things like that. But like Masterworks, they fractionalize yeah. the shares and you invest as, as much as you want. And, you know, art appreciates pretty well historically. So right. it's it's not like you're playing games. This is real stuff, you know. This is real. <laughs> this is a, a good way to. 
hundred percent diversify. You know what I mean? It's still a real asset. So it's like, it's like yeah. with art, it's like, it's still, there's still a value placed on a Van Gogh. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not as risky as maybe crypto or some of these other assets where it's like highly, highly, high spot. It's like they have with art specifically, it's like they have decades of history, historical custody of when these pieces of artwork were traded at and like other comparable sales. It's very similar to almost like the real estate industry in a way, like if yeah. another piece of artwork similarly sells, that one increases. Um, I think that's the future for the average person to invest in high barrier to entry asset classes. Fractional is the way because otherwise you've got to save for a decade yeah. to be able to yeah. buy your first, um, you know, high barrier to entry, you know, uh, asset and collectible cars is a great example or artwork or, you know, real estate by way of vacation rentals. Like, you know, it's, it's a lot of risk you ask somebody to take on to do the entire thing themselves. So I really think like fractional is probably the way. Absolutely. It's cool. And uh, okay. So how did Joe Montana get involved? I heard Joe Montana is like a big <laughs> investor. I, I, I grew up a big fan of Joe Montana. So yeah. I, what's, what's up with that? <laughs> yeah. So um, he invested in our pre-seed, which we raised in October um, by way of liquid two ventures, um, which is the venture capital fund that he's a partner on. Um, but uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we pitched him as part of our process that we're pitching with other investors and, um, we're very fortunate. One of my best friends, uh, Judge Schoenholtz, um, uh, he, he, his fund backed at, at the very early stage. So I got like a warm introduction to them and it was kind of a, um, it was kind of an intimidating, uh, intimidating, uh, pitch. But what's funny is one of, one of my other buddies is a high school football coach. And when I told him that Joe Montana was, it was in a, an investor in here. Now, every other week he sends me messages asking me for sign memorabilia. He sends me messages for, can he come and play at our golf tournament? I'm like, that's not how this works. I'm like, just because the guy invested in our company doesn't mean I can ask for favors to have him fly down to uh, to Florida for a high school golf tournament, high school football golf tournament. But uh, 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 yeah, so he he his fund Liquid Two got involved um, uh, at the very early stage. They're one of our first investors. That's pretty cool. Man, uh, exciting. So, um, how, how does the app actually work? Yeah, absolutely. So super, super simple. Um, you know, you log on to here.co, um, you can browse, uh, browse properties that are available. We launch offerings, um, either, uh, weekly, biweekly, it really depends on what's going on in the market and what we're able to find. Um, and then you could analyze the deal. Um, you know, we, we list information on each property that includes, you know, metrics like booking revenue, occupancy rate, um, um, average, uh, we, uh, rev par, which is revenue per available room, really important metrics to vacation rentals in that asset class. We list, you know, averages, market averages, things like that. So investors are able to do their own diligence. And then, um, it's as easy as selecting how many shares you'd like to purchase and um um and and answering a few questions going through identifying who you are and connecting a plaid account um the whole process i think from start to finish we measured it was like 2 or 3 minutes so it's pretty quick from you know tap tap to uh property owner um so um that's the process and then on a, and then um you basically sit back and relax after that we um we deliver quarterly dividends you know property reports things of that nature um, and, uh, we keep you updated with what's going on inside the property that you're now an investor on. That's awesome. Um, great. So, so where can people find out everything they need to know about here? Is it a website? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say app store. How do you do yeah, it? I'd say here.co is the best place to go. 
Um, it's currently web-based, so currently a web app. Um, you can also search Google search your vacation rentals, a bunch of press on us if you want to do your own diligence and 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 read up on um, any coverage on, on here. Um, but yeah, I'd say, you know, here.co is the best place to, to go. Um, and then we're always hiring. Um, so right now we're in a big hiring, hiring push, specifically finance. We're hiring controllers, cool. um, staff accountants, VP of legal, you name it. Um, we're hiring, we're about four xing our team size over the next uh, 60 days. So a lot of hiring happening currently. Gotcha. So yeah, I'll have all that in the notes and people can see if they want to be, uh, work for here, maybe. So, awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. Whether yeah. you work with, whether you work and with invest us, invest or, with us or yeah. whatever the case may be, even just talk to us. I, I love talking about vacation rentals and just investing fractional, you know, yeah. whether it be rally road, you know, masterworks, et cetera, just love the industry. Awesome. Well, Corey, and thanks for, for letting us know everything about here and I'm excited for it. I'm definitely going to be a part of it. I, I love these kind of fractional ways to oh, diversify. It's, it's cool, you know? So Thanks so much, man. I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of possibilities, a lot of opportunity, and and uh, thanks thanks for making it, bring introducing it to us. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Awesome, man. Likewise. So yeah, Corey, we'll touch base uh, in the future. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks. Bye bye. That concludes today's episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to the channel on the platform you use. The Friendly Bear Podcast is hosted by me, David where you can find me on Twitter at reverse underscore long. You can find the Friendly Bear Podcast at www.thefriendlybearpodcast.com, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, and now on YouTube at Friendly Bear Research. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Friendly Bear Podcast.